0: Adventure is really really in its most simple terms just walking towards uncertainty in your life so that doesn't need to be you know moving to another country or like going on some weird wacky wild trip all of us make adventurous decisions every day of our lives Um, you know whether that's like going on a date or taking a new job or introducing yourself to a new friend we're all sort of making the same kinds of decisions every day and just trying to make you know decisions that lead us to the happiest version of ourselves.
1: Is the Hidden World podcast, and I'm your host, Whitney Logan. Today, I'm interviewing my friend, Lauren Farmer. Lauren is a polar expedition leader and an Explorers Club fellow. Of all the people I have ever met, Lauren has impressed me the most with her willingness to choose adventure over convention time and time and time again. And yet, She has always done this with such ordinary grace and a sense that the world is this wide open for anyone who wants to explore its mysteries. The reason I wanted to interview Lauren, in particular, at this time, is that I had an intuitive inkling that she was starting to turn this spirit of adventure in on her own inner world, and I was right. So this conversation wound up being my favorite kind— adventure inward. And as it would turn out, Lauren isn't just an excellent polar expedition leader, she is a gracious and wise expedition leader into our inner landscapes as well. Welcome to this week's episode of The Hidden World. The reason I wanted to talk to you is because for years and years I've watched you from a distance um, make what seemed to me to be bold, creative, courageous choices with your life. And, um, I'm, I'm so interested in why and how, and what that's given you. Um, so maybe you could start just with like a high level overview of what you have done with your life and where you are now. Okay. So are we just doing it We're just jumping right in? Okay.
0: (laughs) So my deal is that I am Australian, even though I don't sound like it. And when I was seven in 1990, my parents and my brother and I moved to the States. We went to Indiana for a year first and then to Kansas. So I grew up in Kansas, which is where I met you Whitney. And I was there until I went to college and I moved out to California for school. So went to um, Pepperdine for university and then soon after moved to New York um, and lived in New York for about 10 years. In that time, my parents had moved back to Australia, so I was the only one in my family still left in the States. And in around 2010, I went back to Australia for two years, I think hoping that I might like it enough to stay because it's much easier to live in the same country as your family, but New York has always had a very strong pull over my life. So I ended up moving back to New York. Um, And then I ended up going to Antarctica as a guest on a ship. And that had been a trip I'd always wanted to take, but figured, you know, to be years and years and years before I ever had enough money to do that. Um, But during the time when I was back in Australia, two of my grandparents, unfortunately, passed away. And through that, I was given enough money to book a trip to Antarctica. So I booked that trip. And soon after I had moved back to New York, I went. And I suppose I had made several adventurous decisions up until that point in my life, especially choosing to move from place to place. I know that's not exactly the most conventional way to live your life, Um, but what happened after that first trip to Antarctica I think kind of threw through through my world into this strange detour that I had never really expected and since then about 2012 I feel like I've just been living entirely in uncertainty (laughs) and where that led me is to get a job on that ship and I became a polar guide so now I work in the arctic and antarctic And within six years, I went from basically being a tourist to being an expedition leader on these small expedition vessels. And because of that lifestyle that I somehow ended up in and and decided to continue choosing for myself, I left New York. It really wasn't compatible with that lifestyle anymore. I fell in love with a Brit Uh, my dad likes to joke what did he do wrong in his life because both of of his children married (laughs) British people (laughs) (laughs) it just turns out they're really great Uh, and now I live in Scotland and I eloped last year I eloped in a pandemic and now I live in the northwest of Scotland and so none of it really makes any sense Um, but (laughs) in hindsight I suppose I can see the path that led me here but it wasn't easy by any by any means.
1: Mm-hmm. Say more about it not being easy.
0: I guess I look at, you know, the the big moves that I made in my life and the things that probably to other people seem glamorous or really exciting, um, or like aesthetically pleasing. You know, I post beautiful photos of penguins and icebergs and and of Scotland. It's so pretty those are like all the like mountain peaks of my life. And I suppose when I look at the entirety of my life, it's everything that happens in between those peaks. And for every mountain peak, there's always a valley. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm so, I'm so glad that I chose to live my life in the way that I have, but I've also at the same time sacrificed a lot to make those decisions. And I suppose that's one of my main um, things I'd like to get across about adventure is that I think maybe some people have a a kind of a warped view of what that is. Mm -hmm. Like adventure is really, really, in its most simple terms, just walking towards uncertainty in your life. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't need to be, you know, moving to another country or like going on some weird, wacky, wild trip. Actually, all of us, make adventurous decisions every day of our lives. Um, you know, whether that's like going on a date or taking a new job or introducing yourself to a new friend or signing up for a class. So, you know, my life might not look like a lot of other people's, but we're all sort of making the same kinds of decisions every day and just trying to make, you know, decisions that lead us to the happiest version of ourselves, you know? And I do I do also want to acknowledge that a lot of the opportunities I've been given in my life is because I have been privileged to be white and to be born into the family that I was. So I'm very aware of that and I I honor the fact that I have been fortunate to have those, you know, things placed in my path. So
1: Yeah, I am loving what you're saying about adventure because that was sort of the premise that I uh, hooked you in on to come talk to us about adventure. And, and I, I was hoping you were going to say almost exactly this, that um, adventure, the, the kind of um, picture of adventure that we get sold through media and social media does not tell the, the full story about um, the uncertainty and the chaos and the difficulty and the doubt. Um, and and I, I think that you would probably say it's all worth it. Um,
0: Everything is worth it in hindsight, I suppose, because when you look back on something, none of the anxiety exists anymore because you know what the outcome was going to be. I think very few people would say that these, you know, bigger adventures in life or even the smaller ones are all that fun in the moment because there's, you know, uncertainty, uncertainty to me has never been fun. You know, I, I actually don't cope with it very well at all. Um, for whatever reason, it's never, it's never turned me away. I for I keep on walking towards it and I, and I'm trying to understand why I am that way, but when you look back at, at the things that have happened, you're like, "Wow, that was great! I'm so I'm so glad I went for it." But it's only after the fact that <laughs> you know you can feel that way about it.
1: Yeah, I I really appreciate that perspective too, um, because I think that lots of times what what turns us away from pursuing um, the things that speak to us is because we meet all the painful emotional difficulty of uncertainty and anxiety and shut down or decide to stick with what is familiar, um, which is okay. There's like no shame in any set of decisions any of us have made in order to manage our own mental health and well being. Um, and um, I, I think that you know something you and I were also talking about is that like the the work of adventure can also be like an inward job. It can be exploring the inner landscape of of your own personhood.
0: you know the the different like tangible decisions I've had to make, in my life were were scary but only in the short term because i guess i've always said to myself well you know in this moment i don't really want to leave my life in new york but if i give it a go and it doesn't work out then i can always move back like i've always used that as a thing to comfort me that I can always move back. I can always go back to my other job. I can, you know, do this, that, but only now when I'm 38 and not working through a pandemic because I work in tourism, have I actually had the time and the mental space and perhaps the desire to be introspective about my own life. And this is probably the most scary thing of all, because I feel like there's no going back. <laughs> you know, like once you start to really dig into what makes me who I am and why do I react the way I do to things and what are the things about myself that I actually really want to change? That's that's terrifying. And that's probably one of the most adventurous things you could do is just walking into that, not knowing actually what's going to happen. You know, and I, I, I'm so happy with my life now where I've ended up and, you know, I have a great partner and a, an exciting job, um, but I have no idea what five years or 10 years will will look like, you know, and that part of it I'm, I'm not scared of because that's kind of always how I felt that, you know, I, I plan really well for about a year or two in advance, but looking any further than that, it's almost like it's just some gray blob. Like I just, I can't visualize what that is because my life has taken so many detours up until now. I can only assume it's going to continue to do that, you know, forever. Um, But the work that I am just starting to do within myself, it's almost just this totally separate journey. And it's going to be just this path now for however long I, I want to see it through. And I, I suppose forever. So yeah, it's two, two different things happening there. I suppose, at the same time.
1: You know what? I imagine that your lifestyle of adventure and moving toward uncertainty has actually prepared you better than you can possibly imagine for, um, you know, almost figuratively turning around and walking into the uncertainty of yourself. Because you've probably had to develop some of the psychological skills necessary to tolerate, even if you think you don't handle it well, you handle it, which is really the best any of us can hope for. Um, Like if you don't shut down or you don't start, you know, picking fights with everybody around you and destroying all your relationships, that's pretty good (laughs) as far as (laughs) meeting uncertainty um, outside of yourself or inside of yourself.
0: Yeah, I think from actually when I was probably really young, I've always had a strong like sense of my gut feeling for things and a strong instinct. And that is probably what has led me quite often to just keep keep marching through the uncertainty is that I, I feel like I have like a real North star. Um, and I suppose that's something that I'm only just starting to think more about and try and understand what that is because I'm, I'm not a religious person. Um, I did try it out for a few years, but it didn't stick. <laughs> and that's also been a, a theme throughout my life is, um, is trying everything out and very few things stuck. And uh, my parents say that I was like that when I was really, really little. Um, and I, I don't know, the whole nature versus nurture thing is really interesting to me. Like how, how much of who I am was I born with and how much is just a product of things that happened to me, you know, moving to a different country when I was seven years old um, was a big deal. And actually now looking back on it, I think it hugely shaped the decisions I made in my life because, you know, I, I lost any sense of home and my home just became my parents and my brother. And when we moved to the States, it was only gonna be for 12 months at the start, and then we were going to move back. And because my brother and I were settling into school and it was a a tough adjustment for me, um, especially my parents decided, okay, we'll stay one more year, one more year. And then all of a sudden, you know, 10 years have gone by. But how that looked in the day to day is that I never felt like I could settle in Kansas or in the the States. I always thought we were moving back. Mm -hmm. So I just never had anything to like tether me. And that's definitely a word that I feel is very like wrapped up in my identity is that I've always been very untethered to places. So it's always been easy for me to say, okay, yeah, I'll go to California for school. And I think I'd like to live in New York and you know, Trump's just been elected. So why don't I just move to (laughs) back to Australia for a while? (laughs) You know, so place has never has never really like um, grounded me. And that hasn't necessarily always been a good thing in my life. Like I, I've always struggled with knowing where to belong. And Mm. I think that probably drove certain things like becoming a born again Christian in college, I think it was ultimately because I really wanted to to be like everyone else. Like I wanted to be a part of a community. And honestly, it was gonna be harder for me not to join that community than it was to. And, but as, as soon as I left school, it just all, it all just fizzled apart. And that's how a lot of things for me have happened. I, I jump into them full heartedly when I'm in that space with those people in that location But then as soon as I move to a new place, it's like a, it's like a clean slate. So I hope I'm, I'm sort of explaining that, right. That it's, it's been great in a lot of ways to not feel much obligation to stay in one place, but it also has definitely made me always feel like I'm longing for something that I haven't actually ever had.
1: Hmm. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. I wonder what it's like then to now find yourself a bit tethered. You are married. You own a home in a place. You own land.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. a Yeah, <laughs> it's a very good question. I hope I haven't made a terrible mistake here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, yeah, it is very strange. Um, I would say actually getting married was probably the hardest part of it. Mm. And it's because like Alex, my husband and I are very similar in that we're like very independent souls and we've been together seven or eight years now. So we, we long ago made, you know, a lifetime commitment to each other just through the decisions we were making, you know, basically to decide how to live our lives together, to consider the other person and different decisions we made. Um, And ultimately, we wanted to settle down as in buy a place together, somewhere beautiful where we have. But the thought of making it legal, (laughs) legally binding was just nerve-wracking to both of us because I think it had never been something we had considered before. Even before we met each other, neither of us really thought that we would be the type of people to get married. So it was it was strange and it was difficult to make that. I think I think just yeah, the commitment is just a little bit scary. I suppose a lot of people have that when it comes to marriage. But the house thing, uh, yeah, I guess I haven't allowed myself to really think too much about about that commitment just because I love this place so much. It's so beautiful, and I'm really happy to be living here. Um, not to say I'm not <laughs> equally as happy to be married, but <laughs> you know, yeah. having having a beautiful home, a place that I always could come back to has always been something I've wanted. Mm-hmm. So I'm just really happy to have it now. And
1: yeah, hopefully it continues to go well. <laughs> yeah, and you are in a pretty small town, right? Yeah, we're in a village of a thousand people. Incredible. I, I, and this is kind of... Um maybe a a bit of what impresses me so much about your psychological flexibility or like psychosocial flexibility, because you can thrive in New York City, like living in Hell's Kitchen, and you can thrive in a town of a thousand people in Scotland, like rural Scotland.
0: (laughs) Well, yes, I hope so, but we moved here right at the start of the pandemic. So our lives here have looked, well, exceptionally boring because we we basically haven't met anyone. We we have, um, our car broke down one day when we first moved here and a really nice young couple stopped to help us. Um, So they've become like our only friends. And that's been really nice to have that. But I almost feel like it's a friendship in waiting. Like we just need to be allowed to spend time together in order for that to grow. Because restrictions here are super strict. Like we're allowed to meet with one person outside right now. Um, And no restaurants are open or anything like that. So it's just kind of been Alex and I, and me and myself, like, that's why I've had all this time to start, you know, just reading books and listening to podcasts. And I've just never, I've never really spent any time just thinking before. I've always been just go, 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 you know, planning the next thing, doing the next thing. Um, So I've really enjoyed the past year. But it is a, still a huge unknown, actually, how much I will like living in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I've always lived in big cities. I mean, Kansas City is a big city, but I've always lived in places where things are happening. And I've always thrived on being able to just, you know, walk down the street for food or go to like a cool event or, you know, meet up in person with friends. So I know that I will miss that, Um, but it's been four years now since I left New York. And ever since then, I just haven't had a home. I've just lived out of two bags, sometimes at Alex's parents' house, sometimes with my parents in Australia, and then otherwise, you know, at work on ships or doing like a short-term rental somewhere. We did that a few times. So I have felt especially untethered in the last four years. So I suppose I'm kind of craving what I have now. but yeah, I, I suppose the one thing that I know about myself is that if in four or five years I think, gosh, like this really just isn't working for me, sure it will be complicated because we you know we own this house and and you know, Alex is is from the UK and that will be, you know, we'll have to work all that out together. But I'm I'm never gonna be someone who can really stick it out somewhere where they're unhappy.
1: Mm. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, but isn't that good?
0: Yeah, I I don't know what it's like for other people, but I, and I don't know where this came from either, but I've always, for better or worse, been a bit of what I call like a runner. Like I, I struggle just in like, in just being. And once, you know, my, once I'm unhappy in a job or not even unhappy, but once I sense that there might be something better suited to me or more interesting or different i really usually just full steam ahead go for that and i've often wondered are there are there things that i've missed out on because i just didn't stick it out for a little bit longer so i don't i don't know i don't know if that's good or bad but it's definitely a part of me that i i just move on i just move on quickly and I, I want to stick it out here because it's tiring. Like it's really, it's really exhausting just, mm. you know, chasing something and never really being content just to live in that place for a while. I've, I've never, never felt that. So I'm hoping that I, I do find that here.
1: Um, do you know who Pema Chodron is? No, I don't. She's a Buddhist, uh, nun, priest, teacher, writer. Um, And she she wrote a book called The Wisdom of No Escape. And um, I read it a long time ago, so I'm not going to summarize it well. But my general impression I took away from that was um, you can do the best work on yourself when you can't get out. You know, you can confront all of your or you have to, you will meet and you have an opportunity to meet and confront um, all the um, discomfort and difficulty that lives within you when there's nowhere to run and nothing to distract yourself with. And the idea that you know, her premise is that that's available in meditation, you know, and and Buddhist principles and practices. But I do think that um, there's been an opportunity this year, and it's a difficult opportunity, but nevertheless, it's presented itself, where if you can approach this time consciously, this time where there's not much to do and you're not, most of us are not allowed to do much or our conscience dictates that we shouldn't do much. Um, And I don't know, I think this is another kind of adventure where um, I was, I had this experience this late summer, early fall, where there is someone in my life that I haven't seen in probably two and a half years that is important to me. And I, I don't talk to them that often either, but I, I was having these like fluctuations of feeling toward them, like really missing them and then really mad that they're not better at being in touch. And then, you know, um, really understanding that that's just who they are. It's their personality. They're so introverted. And then, and feeling affectionate toward that and um, kind of endeared by their idiosyncrasies and, um, and then ambivalent and kind of dismissive and mad. Like, well, you know what? It takes two people to like invest in a relationship. And I, after watching these fluctuations of feeling toward them, I realized like, oh, all of this is my stuff. They haven't done anything different. Like everything has been the same on their end. And, and I think I am just, this is one of the dynamics that I carry with me in relationships where I just have a kind of um, dismissive attachment style. And I, when I feel a little insecure about something, I try to say like, well, I don't need this after all. And it's a, it's a way of trying to stay psychologically safe. So I'm not sure that I would have really felt into that or observed it if I had been able to be busy the way I used to be busy or if I had been able to spend time with that person. Um, and that opened up for me a whole conversation with myself about all the other ways that I do that and with whom. Um, And even with myself, like if I'm pursuing something like this, like making and recording and um, publishing a podcast, um, I can be really proud of the conversations that I'm having and think they're beautiful. And then a beat later think I'm such an idiot and it's so embarrassing and I should quit, which is sort of all about trying to move away from the vulnerability of being really connected to things that I love and people that I love.
0: Yeah. Without, without all the sort of normal distractions of our life, it's like, we just have this (laughs) abundance of time, even though I know a lot of people don't feel like they have very much time, but if not time, then at least like, more of like a a personal awareness of of yourself like without you know i don't know yeah it's it's interesting i was thinking the other day about because i'm 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 the same with when things are tough yeah i just would just rather like not deal with it And that has been difficult as I have been getting into the Brene Brown universe of vulnerability (laughs) because that's like the whole thing is, you know, taking, taking the on-ramp to that instead of the off-ramp. But it is interesting also during this time where, you know, everyone is talking about boundaries and how important they are and friendships has been an interesting one for me because I... I think I make myself look like a very social person. Um, And I'm good at keeping in touch in a very like surface level way and social media makes that really easy. But I have very few like really, really close friendships and that's probably a nature of just not sticking around that much. And a couple of really close friends of mine from New York, I would still consider them my very best friends, but I'm, you know, I'm not there in the day-to-day like I was before. I really, really don't know what's happening on a, on a weekly or even monthly basis in their life. So what kind of a friendship is that, you know? And I haven't, I haven't really spent too much time digging into it, but when you are saying about um, like the attachment style, like I have found myself setting way more boundaries for my time now because I don't know, I guess I'm just more aware of how things impact me. So usually an example of this is that um, some coworkers of mine who, and I like really love being a part of a team and especially like a team of women, they're doing like a monthly Zoom social chat thing. And usually that would be something that I would plan. Like I would be all about like leading that and, and I'd love that and for whatever reason, it's now they must have met six or seven times. And I just haven't signed on to any of them. And it's hard to like articulate why, but it's like this feeling in my gut, like I just can't do it. Like I, it's Mm. so great that they're doing it, but for whatever reason, I just can't like, I just can't show up to that. Mm. Um. So I'm, so in some ways, like I'm so happy that I can recognize that I set that boundary I'm not feeling bad about it, even though you know they check in and say, you know why why haven't we seen you like are you going to come to the next one. And I feel like I should I feel like it's something that normally I'd be so into, but I just can't, I just Mm. can't and don't want to. (laughs) So I'm being really good about about setting those boundaries and and sticking to them. But where that can kind of get a bit dangerous, I suppose, is there are still like important, tough conversations to be had all throughout life, whether it's like with your partner or with something going on at work. And I don't want to fall into the trap of being like, well, I don't want to have this tough conversation with that person. So I'm just going to set a boundary that I can't I can't cope with that right now. <laughs> I can already sense that I could fall into that trap.
1: That's so interesting. Um, you know, you're not the only person I know that feels m- maybe, and I'm, I don't wanna put words in your mouth but maybe a bit lonely or disconnected and yet can't get on these Zoom calls and um, can't answer the phone that it's it's like so hard to show up the way we used to show up and we don't yet know how it is that we want to show up or want to be experienced or want other people to show up it's it's um like a betwixt in between place. Mm-hmm. You know yeah
0: it's it, it is strange like i want i want to be a really good friend and i want to still be able to connect deeply with people even though i've chosen you know to move here um and to live this life and so i'm going to have to put in that effort to you know maintain you know a a community basically um but yeah, I mean, I'm definitely running into walls right now, and it's it's nice to know that other people are running into the, those same walls as well. I suppose a lot of it just comes down to emotional energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and uh, sometimes a clarity of person or a clarity of purpose or values.
0: It is interesting that our like you go through these different periods where you just love being social, like, you know, our 20s in New York, I just couldn't have enough friends, you know, I was, like the more the merrier, like every day, like just in, infinite energy for other people. Um, and then now it's the opposite. And it's, it just makes me wonder, like I know that other people are very important to our lives. Like we are, we are meant to connect with one another. So it just, it feels, a little strange that you can just yo-yo so much over the course of your life. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm on this sort of journey to figure out like who the core me is and what are the other things that will come and go and turn around and like, yes. Yeah. So I don't, I have no idea. I'm only just starting to think about it. And I, maybe just the fact that I have just, transplanted myself to the middle of nowhere (laughs) is like a good time to to be thinking about that because like the reality of of my normal times is that you know i'm either in antarctica the arctic for about three months at a time with no connection to the outside world basically like you know i'll regularly go 10 10 days without checking my email or being able to get on facebook or whatever um and am totally living in the present. Like it's, that's what's so addicting about it because you, you can't make that happen anywhere else. Like you're just in this wild environment and especially working in, a, in an expedition team, you really rely on one another, like physically and emotionally to, to make things happen and to keep each other safe. So it's like a very like intense emotional time at work and then I'll have two or three months off, and until now, I never knew where I was going to be. Like it just always, I just always had to piece it together, and I was always living out of a suitcase and just trying to make it make the most of those times that I had off, whether it was with my parents in Australia or or somewhere with Alex, my husband. Um, but yeah, now is like the very first time since probably high school where I'm like, oh, like I'll actually just live here now for a while. And it's like, what do I want that? What do I want this time in my life to look like? You know?
1: It's, mm. just- it's like before you were doing a lot of reacting because you had to, like reacting to what was right in front of you. And now you're in a space where you can be reflective. And that, you know, Stuff is going to come up that has never come up before,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, which is a which is a new to me very exciting adventure for you.
0: Well, you know, i've I've always wanted to go to therapy. Like, I'm a huge fan of therapy, having really never done it. So, I've had two very short stints. Um, one time between a, a summer between in college, but back in Kansas, and that and that was like going through a breakup of my first love and then the only other time was two glorious sessions in between one of my work contracts um about four years ago and what drove that was totally um i don't know what they call it like a like adjustment it's like some some trouble with a big life change like a transition thing and that was when i moved away from new york because like going back to my whole untethered thing, New York was like really the, of anywhere, the place where I felt most at home. And, you know, like most New Yorkers, that was like such a part of my identity was the fact that I lived in New York. Um, And then to actively choose to leave was really, really hard. And the the drivers for that decision were largely my relationship with Alex because Mm -hmm we had been together about three or four years at that point and i felt fairly confident that i wanted that to continue but he's a real like wilderness guy um you know would be happy probably sleeping in his car most nights (laughs) and that's not for me but i knew that we weren't going to have a life together if i stayed in new york Mm -hmm. um and also i was ready for whatever came next. So it it was time and I, I don't regret leaving at all, but it was very, very difficult. And so in the months after that, I just, I couldn't, I just was like grasping at something. I just needed something to make me feel, yeah, like I was where I was meant to be. I was with who I was meant to be with that I just, I had something, yeah, I just felt totally lost. And so I went to therapy twice <laughs> and it was awesome. It was so, so great. And I, I was just so bummed that I, I couldn't continue it. So now this is like the first time where I'm like, oh, I'll actually be somewhere um, for a while and I wanna start. But I know that it's like really hard to get um, therapists especially in the UK right now. Like it's, <laughs> if you want to have most of it covered by insurance it's like a year wait. What? Yeah, it's crazy. So I'm just gonna keep on reading a ton of books and and try and figure out the best way to make it happen. Um, Yeah, there's some things I need to get used to with the UK, but it's kind of one of these things where you need a doctor to, um, what's it called in the States? Like um, when you need to see a specialist and you get, oh, a referral letter. You almost need a referral letter from a, a GP saying this person needs therapy to actually get it for, you know, a decent price, which is, it's not what I'm used to in the States, you yeah. know, at all.
1: Obviously my favorite adventure is going inside myself and other people. Um, because I think all the universal truths are there. Like all the, um,
0: Hmm.
1: All the mystery and magic of being a, a human being is is found in um, in an individual. Like there's there's so much about every person's uh, story and um, experience of themselves that is unique. And then there's so much that is connecting, finding resonance in myself and in other people is like I think the thing that makes me like believe in a greater cosmological mystery. Um like that there's something there's there's some great mystery here. And even if we don't figure it out, because I don't think you can um sort of spiraling around it, you know, or circumambulating it. Um, it gets me closer to, to something like equanimity, compassion, inspiration, grace, hope, faith, love. I don't know, just like the, it, it feels like the path into wisdom. And so, yeah, big fan.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it amazing that we can go through like decades of our lives and never actually like sit with ourselves all that much? And Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm a, for better or worse, I'm a real like sliding doors person. I, I am always thinking like about my parallel lives out there. Like if I had, you know, stayed in Kansas um, instead of going to California, if I, you know, stayed working in TV instead of gone to Antarctica. Like, I mean, who knows? Like, who knows what would have been better or worse. Or maybe they were all going to be exactly the same. Like, and, you know, I think it takes, it takes a lot to actually come to the place where we're like, oh, I actually am ready to make a real effort on myself. And I don't think that I really was ready until now. Um, I, th- I think I never really thought there was a need because my mm. I've always been like pretty happy, and mm. you know there there are things in life that weren't weren't that easy, but my life has been really good. And again, like there's so much privilege to the experiences that I've had. But I've never I've never you know. Had to, had to sort of, I've never been forced to face myself all that much because life has just been so busy with other things to face. And it's like, I don't know if you're at all like me, but like now now that I'm like in this you know, phase of my life where I, where I do want to learn more about, about what makes me, me, I immediately like go to a place of regret because I just think, oh, like, why couldn't I have done this 20 years ago? And how much, how would my life be different if I really understood myself 20 years ago? Like, I'm just always thinking like, how could things have been better? Like, that's definitely, I don't know where that comes from in my life, but it's always like been a frustration of mine is that I'm, I'm, I'm always a little bit obsessed with regret, either like regret for things that may or may not happen in the future or regret for like a path that I didn't even pursue in the past. Like, I don't know. I don't know why I do that. I think I'm just very, um, I've always been really attached to like things being special and I'm very sentimental person and I look for meaning in everything. And that, may have come from the whole untethered thing as well maybe that's just me sort of grasping for things that are tangible in my life Um, and that can be a little bit overwhelming and exhausting trying to make everything super important and and super exciting and and adventurous and grand and that's definitely how I've lived my life and I think I'm just like a little bit tired of it right now
1: (laughs) yeah yes because ultimately, if the ordinary things can't hold enough meaning for you, that that's a problem. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I don't even know what what ordinary is, because like I can recognize that my life has been a little bit unconventional. Um, But I like the the idea that, you know, you get married right out of college and have kids and you have one career path like that's like kind of felt outdated to me for a long long time and and i i have enough friends who have lived their life differently um so i just don't know i don't know what the alternative would have been because this just always felt like the natural way of living to me and maybe maybe it's because i had that example for my parents i mean they chose to move their family to the other side of the world. And my parents have also jumped between careers a lot. And my dad is uh, is self-employed. So he's always lived a very flexible schedule. So for me, I wonder if choosing the quote unquote ordinary would have been more difficult because that's not the example that I had, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, it's like you grew up in an environment where the implicit understanding of the world was that there were always a lot of options. And, um, so no, you know, growing up, knowing you could also have a life on the other side of the globe at any moment. Um, I think holds open a, like a, a doorway of options that a lot of other people maybe don't consider, or it's, it's very frightening to consider. Um, and so why wouldn't you go like squeeze the, you know, melons or whatever out of, (laughs) I don't know what the phrase is. Squeeze the the juice out of the lemon or something. (laughs) Squeeze the juice out of, um, out of like the fruit of, of all your options while you're young and you're, and you have the energy and, you yeah,
0: can, yeah. There's right? uh, just almost, almost too much. Yeah, too many options. You know, and and I, I hope that this, like, the last thing I want to do is make anyone listening to this feel like, if they chose a more traditional path, that that is less or more exciting than my own life. Like, I mean, adventure. Like, again, to break it down, to just like walking towards uncertainty, like it's not that great all the time, you know? So like people who have, you know, have chosen a more like conventional way of living have probably maybe, I don't know, lived with a lot more like stability, you know, emotional stability, financial stability, um, you know, a family, a strong family unit that, you know, there's, there's a lot of sacrifices that, you make, you know, to pursue some of these
1: opportunities that have come. I think what you said earlier in this conversation about h- trusting your gut and having a North Star, kind of like an inexplicable North Star, whatever choices anybody chooses to, to make in their life, ideally it comes from that place, um, which means that maybe for some seasons, y- you know, you're out there you know, exploring the actual ends of the earth. Um, And then other seasons you want to have your feet on the ground and make a home and slow down and be able to predict your days a little bit. And then maybe later you wanna get back on the open seas and this is all um, doable so long as we're connected to what you called earlier, um, what did you say, like your core self?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I, I, think what I'm searching for is to feel like the Lauren at home now who just wants to, to know what to expect from most days is the same Lauren that can, you know, be driving boats in a blizzard in Antarctica. Like, I know that all of those things are parts of me, but I, I still feel like I have about eight different versions of myself. And I suppose I, I would like for it to be possible for that just to feel like me.
1: (laughs) Does that make sense? Of course it makes perfect sense. This is what I do for a living is I actually encourage people to integrate all parts of themselves into one cohesive whole. Um, Now, usually when I'm having that conversation, it's more like about, integrating, you know, some wounded child and, um, some, uh, inner critic and some, um, you know, uh, I, I have a, a client who often talks about an inner part of herself. That's like the, the wise old woman. Um, and And I think that we usually feel like a core stable self when nothing needs to be split off. So for some people, they've been living their lives trying to split off anger or negativity, you know? And so some of the work of really feeling embodied is to give yourself permission to observe and notice and hold your own anger or negativity. It doesn't mean you have to act out from it and be an asshole. Um, but there's permission for that to be a part of your lived experience. Um, I think feeling like no matter where you are and what you're doing, you're fundamentally yourself, you know, you can feel in your body that connection to, um, uh, the truth of the truth of yourself is ideally like the goal of um, therapy but the goal of inner adventure is like the inner exploration is not is not about like cutting things out or changing who you are it's about really really getting to know who you are and enjoying who you are and being able to sit comfortably in your own skin with a lot of pleasure. That doesn't mean you get rid of the bad things. It means you, you make space for them because you have to.
0: Yeah. I think you're a very good therapist, Whitney. <laughs> like, I, I think I had never really like, yeah, sort of articulated that before that I yeah I want to understand what it means to like really belong to yourself Mm. instead of trying to belong wherever you happen to be at that period of your life Mm. and yeah it's a really interesting thing and I don't I don't I mean I don't how do I get there it's I mean is it just is this a part is this it is it just a part like just thinking through it and coming to these realizations and having more time just. Mm-hmm. in a place like this where I'm not running off, you know, every other week. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's exciting and it's, it's interesting and it's kind of like revelatory for me, I suppose. Um, because I just, yeah, I feel like probably the thing that I've always wanted, which is to feel tethered, maybe not even to a place, but to myself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it's been a long journey, but I think that I'm probably well on my way there now.
1: Yeah to be able to recognize and name it means you're definitely on your way. You know, it's, um, I think the hardest part of setting your feet on this particular path we're talking about is just the first part saying like, oh, I want this. I don't know what this looks like, but I want it. So like anything else, I'm going to move toward the uncertainty of not knowing how to get there. Um, and I'm and I'm going to trust my gut and that North Star that lets me know when something moves me closer to to that goal. What is one thing you feel like you or one of the most important things you feel like you learned about yourself while guiding Arctic expeditions?
0: <laughs> okay, so. For most people that I work with come from an outdoor background or um, a biology background or some sort of specialty. <laughs> My way into the industry was through photography. So that was the only kind of skill set I brought to the table from the start. And then I learned everything else when I was there. And through that process, I think I really surprised myself just what I was capable of. Like People see me, you know, driving like a, a boats around icebergs, or you know, like pulling people up out of like freezing cold water and stuff, and they they think something of me. They they assume I always did stuff like this, um, or that this just comes naturally to me, and that's just not the case at all. I'm just I think I've learned like there actually is no limit to what I can do or anyone can do. If they just give it a try, you know, and there's a little bit of, of luck and opportunity that comes with that. But like, I can't believe the things that I do sometimes. <laughs> and sometimes I'll see, like, having my parents come to Antarctica with me a couple years ago was just mind blowing because I was this different person than they had ever seen before. Um, and I've always kind of thrived on that. And it it just comes back to what we talked about before that it's just like one part of me. And if only I could feel like it was all all one person. Um, So yeah, I think, I think just surprising myself, especially physically, what I was capable of, because I've never really, I've never been even all that much into hiking. Like maybe, maybe this is like probably the most surprising part of this podcast on adventure is that I actually probably prefer to be inside than outside. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so it's just, it's easy to assume something based on what you see of a person. Um, but I am like a real homebody in that I, I love to watch Netflix and nap and be warm and cook. Um, where my husband, like yesterday, was out ice climbing for 10 hours. So <laughs> like, things are not always as they appear. But the fact that I can be both of those people, like I can be, you know, those two people at the exact same time, I think is what, what I found most surprising and kind of most magical.
1: Yeah. That's incredible. That's a good word for everyone, you know, to, to like our beliefs about ourselves can be the only limit sometimes. What is one thing you wish everyone knew about adventure that you maybe haven't said yet?
0: So I've already talked about how, you know, like what my definition of adventure is and how like that, that is accessible to anyone like big or small, like every day you can actually like make adventurous decisions, but it's one of those things where if it, if it's something that pulls you, like if you look at someone who you think makes adventurous choices in their life, and that's something that you, Envy or you long for or like you can look at your own life and say, Oh, I wish that I had the confidence to do that. Um, it's absolutely one of those things that gets easier, the more you do it, because if you make a little decision like signing up for a class to you know, learn a new hobby. Like there, no matter what, for every single person, there's always going to be anxiety that comes along with that, but then it works out, you have a great time. You have this new hobby, and then in hindsight, you look back on that and you think, like, you know, like, I'm so glad I did that. So, you, you file that away, and the next time you're presented with an opportunity, you think, well, it worked out okay the last time, like, let's just give it a go. So, I think sometimes it's like the very first thing that is the hardest. And there's a, um, I'm gonna blank on who said it, but there's this quote, like, buy the ticket, take the ride. And so I've often thought about that when I'm like debating whether to do something. And sometimes I'll just force myself into it. Like I'll like very practically buy a ticket to somewhere on a plane. And then it's like, oh crap, like now I actually have to go. (laughs) So then you go and it's great, you know? So I think sometimes just, yeah, just walking forward um, and then the rest falls into place. And then the next time it's a little bit easier.
1: I love that. When you were saying take a class, I thought about the time we took a mixology class together at Columbia University in New York City. And um, I learned next to nothing, but I had a great time. And also I loved being able to walk around an Ivy League campus and say like, I go here now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like I can legitimately say that I've been to grad school, but I usually don't. And we must have learned how to make like a hundred cocktails. But honestly, the only one I remember is like a screwdriver. And I'm sure I knew that before. <laughs>
1: but that was really fun. And, it was really fun. and, and I'm it, not
0: surprised that we don't remember much about it.
1: No, no. Because it was like the only um, mixology class in all of New York City where they use actual alcohol to practice making drinks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> um, I thought, you know, if if I wanted to use this, I could, you know, if I wanted to use this to get out of my day job and try something different, you know, it allows, it gives me another skill, um, and maybe that's part of, um, like, the purpose of adventure too is to keep enlarging and like expanding your sense of yourself and what you can do. And which is what you were saying about um, being an adventure guide in the Arctic. Like what, what an amazing thing to know you're capable of.
0: Yeah, like it sounds cheesy, but there are actually like unlimited number of possibilities for how your life will go mm. and you know, we're all just walking through it. And some people have, you know, more responsibilities than others. You know, I don't have children like you do. And so, you know, there are things that I am able to do more easily. um, And I definitely recognize that. But yeah, I think everyone can probably reframe things in a little bit to realize that actually there's more, there's more out there for us if we want it um, big or small.
1: Absolutely. It's an adventure to create something, make something new, make a meal in the crock pot you've never made before. Um, it's, it's an adventure to make a podcast. It's an adventure to have a conversation with someone where you don't know where it's going to go and what it's going to reveal about you or them. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of ways to keep growing and keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for letting me ramble for so long oh so exciting and beautiful I'm 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 really grateful to you that you were willing to share this much of yourself thank you to my friend Lauren for being such a courageous and wise expedition guide on a little journey inward maybe for all of us I hope you could hear yourself in Lauren's story I certainly could Thank you for being with us here again this week. The Hidden World is produced by David Gomez. Our theme song is written by David Gomez, and I'm your host, Whitney Logan. Be good to yourselves and each other.